Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. This is Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Poulos. So fuck you and fuck your baby and fuck your wife. <laughs> Why fuck them all? So you have headphones. We're recording at a barbecue gas station. We're not pausing this to put a baby in there. So, uh, so you can just stop it right. You're half drunk and high oh, trying to read a map. Right, here we go. We're literally. We are on, <laughs> on the edge of the Grand Canyon. That's my whole job when I'm on the road is protecting my butt. Stoner. And the fat man. He says, man. You really need to turn your life around. Fuck you, Mark. Mark, pull up the <laughs> Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Poulos, as always. It's good to be back. I uh, Today on the podcast, I thought I'd tell some stories um, about my triple runs. And I feel like I've talked about it a few times on the podcast with different comics that I've had on and uh, possibly uh, some crossovers with some condo stories and other things like that. But um, I just recently was talking to a couple good friends and they were headed out on a triple run. And I thought it might be interesting to tape a podcast uh, telling some funny stories from that. Um, a little background if you're not aware of what a triple run is. So there's... Uh, many different people that book comedy in the country. Um, there's your, your huge companies that, uh, blanket most of the country, um, Heffron talent, funny business, um, comedy productions and, uh, a slew of other guys. But then there's, uh, smaller companies that are trying to break in on these bigger companies. So they have to, kind of sell their shows at a discount and go into places that aren't uh, really conducive to comedy, like really crappy bars and um, bowling alleys and shit like that. These are like your budget comedy bookers. And some some of the worst of those are uh, like charter talent and uh, uh, there's a bunch of other ones. I can't think of them right now, but David Tribble is a guy who lives out in Oregon, and him and uh, I feel like the other guy's name is Pat Wilson that works out there, but they basically have the entire, like, western United States, like, blanketed. Like, they've been the ones out there booking everything for years, and a couple other people have kind of broken in on their stuff out there. But uh, Tribble has just been an institution since the beginning of stand-up comedy. And uh, sadly, he's mostly known for um, tours that are really a lot of driving. Like, your Tuesday gig is like 11 hours from your Wednesday gig, and your Wednesday gig's like 9 hours from your Thursday gig, and it just gets ridiculous. And uh, initially, when I started working for him, I had only been doing comedy for like a year, and he booked me on, uh, I would say, probably like five weeks of work. And I had it, I had it out there, and uh, the pay was really weird. 
Um, most of the time, if you're doing a one-nighter for a booker, it's pretty standard if it's a lower-end booking company that the opener <clears throat> is going to get 100 bucks. And the headliner is going to get $200 and you usually get a room. And that's kind of what it is. But his stuff, for whatever reason, um, if you were featuring, you got $98. And if you were headlining, you got $198. And uh, he explained it initially like it was some kind of tax thing um, that he thought was giving the comedians a break on something. But I think in the end, he just wanted to save that $4 a gig, you know? So the first tour that I did for him, I did five weeks in a row out there. And I had no idea what I was doing on the road. Like, I didn't understand the cheap ways to save money as a comedian. Like, you know, sleeping in your car at rest areas and, uh, you know, using the shower at a truck stop and stuff like that. And, um just trying to save money. I just looked at it as like I was on vacation. So if I had a night off, like I'd have to find a hotel room and out there it was around like the end of August into September. And it was still kind of like summertime rates on hotels, which were a lot more expensive than a lot of other times of the year. So every night that I wanted to get a hotel, the prices out there, and this was 2001 so it was like a shit ton of time before like orbits and hot wire and shit like that i was just basically like walking into hotels and in oregon and washington and just saying how much is the room tonight you know and i didn't even know about motel six you know once i found motel six like that changed my price point for for uh, you know the the better because most of their rooms at that time some of them were like $28 so yeah that first tour was really really crazy because um I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast maybe I have so the first the first gigs that I did on that tour um was a bunch of stuff in northern nevada like across highway 80 and highway 80 runs from pretty much east to west across america and uh but across that top highway where you have like reno and elko and winnemucca and stuff like that because in the state of nevada outside of of uh henderson county which is las vegas prostitution is still legal and it's uh regulated and it's and it's policed and everything like that so the first gig that i did out there was um winnemucca nevada at this place called winner's casino and i think i've talked about it before um and this gig used to be the worst and they've actually it's better now but it used to be just you showed up and the casino was you know on a, a dirt road and uh you went in there and it just smelled like dead people and um, the room was like in this little bar area that nobody came to the show and it was just fucking ridiculous why I would continue to do this gig. And it just so happened that, you know, we're talking September, 2001, like, uh, September 11th happened. And I think it was 
nine days after that is when I went on this month-long tour, and my mom, God bless her, was pretty much having a nervous breakdown that I was just going to be in my car on the road for a month by myself, um, seeing as, like, you know, if you can remember back to then, people were thinking that World War three was starting and you know there was going to be more terrorist attacks and they were going to attack all these different cities and here i am just going out on the road for a month by myself so she was obviously pretty shaken so i i believe i left um to go on the road on like you know september 11th was a tuesday and i feel like i left on the next Sunday or Monday morning. So the Winnemucca gig was on Thursday. Um, I take that back. My first gig was uh, was Wenatchee, Washington, um, which was on Wednesday. And then uh, Winnemucca was Thursday. There wasn't anything spectacular that happened in Wenatchee. Just only the name. The name sounded ridiculous. You know, Wenatchee. It's just stupid. But... Um, so that Thursday when I was doing Winnemucca, it just so happened that it was President Bush's uh, address to the nation about what the hell we're going to do about September 11th. So I met uh, the other comic I was working with. His name was Jeff Sargent. And we had, I swear to God, man, there was two people in the audience and one of them was deaf and the whole time I did my set, um, they would the lady that was with him would sign him the jokes, and then uh, and then he would silent laugh. And when I went on this triple run, I basically accepted the tour, not having thirty minutes of comedy. I uh, this is kind of where the birth of me doing funny songs came from. Was like. How in God's name am I going to fill 30 minutes on stage when I don't uh, have it? So I picked up a guitar and I started uh, making up funny songs. And I'm like, this will be the way that I'll fill my time. Because I had about 16 minutes of solid material. So I needed like 14 minutes of filler. And uh, and so that's what happened. So <laughs> I'm doing this one at Mucka Show and... It's sign language and silent laughing. And then when I picked up the guitar to play music, um, this guy just went to the bathroom. It was pretty funny. So we get done with the show. It's obviously the worst show ever. And I'm sitting with Jeff and his friend that lived in Elko. And we're having a couple drinks. And he's like, you know, you should come with us to the brothels. You know, you can't come out here and not go to the brothels. You know, it's a... Uh, it's a story that you want to take with you. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I got a hell of a drive tomorrow. I don't want to, because in my head, I was just, I'm thinking like the bunny ranch, like that these brothels are like out in the middle of nowhere, like hours from any major city. I didn't realize that every small town up in Northern Nevada has a brothel district. So he's like, what are you talking about? And I go, I don't have time to go drive in hours. And he's like, hours? It's two blocks from here. And I was like, well. And he goes, you know, there's no pressure. He goes, it's just a cool experience. You know, they'll give you a tour of the brothel and tell you what they offer. And there's a bar. 
where you can just sit and have a couple drinks and the girls will come out and dance on stage like it's a strip club and stuff trying to entice you. I was like, ah, whatever, you know. At that time, I was pretty much up for anything. I was just trying to not spend any money because I was blowing it all on hotel rooms and uh, 87 cent cheeseburgers of Burger King. <laughs> so we go, we go to this uh, brothel district and it was like the old west. Like we went through these two steel gates and there was like brothels on each side of the street. There was like four on one side and four on the other. So we went into the first place and we decided we'll have, uh, you know, a couple drinks and and this girl comes out and she starts talking to me and she's like, oh, do you want a, uh, a tour of the brothel? You know, there's no pressure or anything. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. So we go upstairs and she's touring me around and showing me all the different weird rooms. There's like a hot tub room and a jungle room and all this kind of stuff. And then eventually we get to her room and we're sitting on her bed and she's like, well, this is where... I would usually talk prices about stuff if you wanted to do anything. And I said, you know, I have to be honest. I don't have any money. <laughs> I go, I literally have $60 in my wallet. And that has to last me for like the rest of the week until I get to my next show. And she was like, oh, that's okay. She's like, did you just want to chat? And she's like, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Minnesota. And she goes, oh my God. She's like, I'm from Richfield. Where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Edina. And literally like Richfield and Edina are like right next to each other. So I start flipping out. I go, I was like, you don't, <laughs> I go, you don't know anybody from Edina, do you? And she's like, yeah, I know a tons of people. And I'm like, oh my God, don't tell my mom I was here. And I was just like, I got to get out of here. So I told the other two comics and they're laughing their asses off. Like only you would find a hooker that lives like 15 minutes from you. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. So we have four, a few more drinks there. And then, uh, and then we go to the next brothel and it's just, it was just so weird because on the next brothel, we're sitting there at the bar, like having a few drinks and like right through this little door next to the bar, there's like a bedroom where, um, it's like one of the hooker's bedrooms. So we're just like having a drink and the door to the room is just like wide open because apparently this guy's thing was that he liked people watching him having sex with people. And it's just kind of jarring because you're just like having a drink and you kind of glance over, you know, and he's just like railing this chick on the bed and he just kind of winks at you and gives you a thumbs up and it's just like, what the hell is this, you know? And then a girl came out and she started dancing on stage and, uh, and Jeff's buddy was like, you know, I, oh, I like this girl. He goes, uh, I'll be back in like 20 minutes. So he went and like nailed this girl and came back. And then, uh, so we're, we get to the last brothel and we're all just like significantly wasted. And this last brothel it's kind of a smaller place. It looked more like an old lady's apartment with how small it was. It was like three bedrooms on the left and like a counter and then like this big cushy couch by the front door. And Jeff kind of sunk into the couch and he was just like wasted. And uh, this, I guess we could call her robust hooker, maybe kind of a chunkier lady sat down next to him. And she was kind of trying to coerce him into the back to do some stuff. And she's like saying all this sexy stuff to him. And he's just like wasted going, no, 
I don't want it. I don't want it. Get away from me. And I'm watching that, laughing, not even noticing what's going on to my left. And uh, Jeff's buddy is, like, talking to this hooker. And they're both looking at me, and they're laughing, and they, they're kind of pointing. And I'm like, I don't know what this is all about. So, um, so out of nowhere, she grabs my hand and pulls me into her room. And she's like, your buddy just bought me for you. And I was like, what? And he goes, ah, don't worry about it. He goes, uh, you can pay me back later or something. And as the door closed, I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, this is the worst. Like, I don't have any money. And she wasn't good looking at all. It was just, she was like in her forties and looked like she, uh, she had, was kind of weathered, you know? And, uh, and so she's, uh, takes me in there and the whole time, like I can't focus. Cause all I'm thinking about is like, how much does this cost? I don't have any money. Like, is this guy gonna, cause he kind of looked like a shady character. Like he had a big bushy mustache and like greased back hair. And he had like a leather jacket with spikes on it and stuff. And he was about as tall as me and as big as me. So I was like, is this guy like a shady character? Like if I don't have the money to pay him, you know, is he going to bust my kneecaps or something? So I was just like, so in my head. And then this lady is out of her fucking mind. Cause like, you know, apparently the way it works there is you buy, like there's a certain amount of money for a certain amount of time. Like that's the whole way they do it there. Like, um, it turned out that he paid her a hundred bucks and that meant that I would be in there for a half an hour or something like that. So she's like trying to light candles and find the right song. That's like the only thing I really remember from that night is that she couldn't find the right song to be sexy to. So she's just over there like pushing buttons and like flipping through songs. And she's like, Oh, is there anything that you, uh, that you want to do it to? And I'm like, God lady, I just don't want to be in here first of all. And let alone, like, just let's get on with whatever's going to happen here. So she finally finds the song and then she comes over and she's dancing all sexy on me. And I'm like, Oh, what the hell? And she goes, uh, she goes, well, I, th I think we'll have enough time if you want to do a real long session or two quick ones. And I was so drunk that I was like, there's no way this is going to happen anyways. So <laughs> I said, uh, I go, whether I decide that or not, I'm pretty sure there's going to be one quick one. And she's like, Oh, is that right? You know? So, you know, she starts trying to do her thing and get me, you know, aroused or whatever. Just nothing's happening. Cause I literally had like, 11 shots of whiskey and like beer and everything. And, and it's just, it's not going to happen. She's trying everything. And then she starts getting upset because she feels like I, I'm not turned on by her and I'm trying to explain to her that I'm just wasted and, and it's not going to happen or whatever. And before you know it, somebody knocks on the door and goes, you've got five minutes. And she's like, well, now we've got to hurry. And I'm like, that's, that's going to help. And, you know, before you knew it, she opened the door and they're like, you guys are done and come out. And they're like, how did it go? And I, you know, I was just like, oh, it was great. Thanks. You know, and then we left and then, uh, we parted ways at the end of the night. And the guy was like, uh, Jeff's buddy, he goes, so whenever you can get it to me, man, uh, I'll take that hundred bucks. And I, and I explained my situation to him that I don't have any money. 
Um, I may have some money at the end of the tour and I could mail it to him or whatever. And he said, uh, you know, are you coming back through here at all? And at the end of the gig, at the end of the tour, I was coming back through Elko, Nevada, which is about 60 miles east, which turned out that that's where he lived was Elko, Nevada. So he flips out and he's like, oh my God, he goes, when you come to Elko, man, I'm going to take you out on the town. I'm going to show you everything. And he goes, when you get there, you can pay me my money back. So in my head, I'm like, well, by then I should have his hundred bucks and at least I can pay him off or whatever. So I go, so this is like day two of the tour and I'm going to be on the road for a month and the last gig is Elko, Nevada. So it's like, I'm not going to see this guy for three and a half weeks. So the whole time I'm doing the tour, I'm like, oh fuck, when I get back to Elko, I'm going to have to have this hundred bucks for this guy. And I'm just like bleeding money on this triple tour. Like I'm just spending money on hotels and food and gas. And, and by the time I got back to Elko, I still had like $60. I didn't even have it. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe there's a chance that like he won't be there, you know? And, uh, just to backtrack a sec. So that, that week that I was doing Elko, um, I was doing Vernal, Utah, and then Friday, Saturday in Elko. And I met up with the guy that I was going to work with that week in uh, Salt Lake City, and we drove to Vernal together. And that was an interesting gig before we went to Elko, because um, I guess Vernal is where they found a lot of uh, dinosaur remains. So we got the information of where the gig was going to be in Vernal, and it was just silly because the uh, the instructions said to get to the club, you want to take a left at the giant pink dinosaur. And we're like, what the fuck? So we get to town, there it is, a giant pink dinosaur. Hang a left, and there's the club that we're playing at. So in northern Utah, um, there's a law that you can't have a, there's no bars so if you want to have a place to drink, you have to open a social club and people pay a membership to come in and, and all this kind of shit. So they were doing a comedy show at this uh, this club that was like members only or whatever. And we sat down and the guy was like, he goes, man, I hate Mormons. He goes, I got stuck here. I followed my wife here. She cheated on me and left. And now I've got this bar and I got to deal with Mormons every day. He's like, which one of you tells the best Mormon joke? We'll get free drinks all night. And the headliner was like, I don't have any Mormon jokes. And I thought to myself, I was like, uh, I don't know. What's, what's tighter than a frog's ass? And he's like, what? And I go, a Mormon pussy. And he was like, free drinks all night. And I was like, oh, all right. So, uh, so we got drunk that night and did the show. And it was pretty funny because... Um, the uh, the headliner who was drunk was bringing me on stage, and his intro for me was, uh, I was out in the forest, and I found a Sasquatch, and I shaved him down and put some clothes on him, and here's, he's going to do comedy. And I was like, that's so stupid. But So we left that show, and we, and we were headed to Elko, and from Vernal to Elko, it's about eight hours. So we spent a lot of time in the car just chatting about funny stories and life. And, and I started telling him about, um, Winnemucca and how like every town on the Northern highway has brothels. And he just like perked up. He was like, do you think Elko's going to have brothels? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm sure they do. All the towns do. And he's just like, 
asked me questions about how it works and what the prices are and everything. And I'm like, wow, this guy really wants to go to a brothel. So we get into town and we check into the hotel. It's like, uh, I don't know. It was like eight in the, or like 11 in the morning or something like that. And he's like, uh, let's go to the brothels. I'm like, dude, it's 11 in the morning. I don't think they're even open. And he's like, is there a way to find out? So we drive around and there's a bar that's open. So we go in there and of course the only person in there is a woman. So we both order like a beer and she's chatting with us. And I said something about, uh, you know, I was telling my friend here that, uh, that, uh, all these towns have brothels, you know, and he doesn't believe me. And she's like, Oh yeah, we have one. It's a couple blocks that way. And he's like, let's go. So we found the brothel district and we went in there and, uh, the, the house we went into, the lady's like, we're not really open yet. And, but this like girl walked by with like her hair and a towel and she's like, well, Mandy's working. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, are you guys looking for a party? And I wasn't, I was like, whatever. And he was like, no, I don't like her. So we left and we're like, well, we'll come back. We'll come back tonight. So I go back to the hotel and I'm like, the whole time I'm just thinking, is this fucking guy going to show up tonight? And is he going to want his money? And in my head, I'm like, ah, he's probably not going to show up, you know? So walking around the show on Friday and, uh, I don't see him in the crowd. So I'm like, oh, maybe I dodged a bullet here. So Saturday comes around and I go down there and I start walking through the crowd and I don't see him. I'm like, maybe he's not here. So then I go up to do my set and I grab the microphone and I look straight ahead and he's sitting at the bar and he like tips his glass up to me and I'm like, oh my God, I don't have this guy's fucking money. Like what the hell? So after the show, he's hanging out with me and the headliner and I told him how he's like really interested in the brothels and everything. And he's like, oh my God. He's like, my girlfriend actually works at one of the brothels and we both were just like, what? So, um. We're just about to leave, and he asks about his money, and I'm like, dude, I, I don't have it. I'm really sorry. I go, I can give you 50 now and mail you another 50. So I gave him 50 bucks, and then he gave me his address, and then we were off for the night. So we were drinking at some of the brothels, and and the headliner just couldn't pull the trigger on picking a girl and, and doing whatever. I wasn't going to be doing anything because now I had, I think, $11 to my name to get back home at the end of this thing. And, uh, so we went to the one brothel and he, he, <laughs> he introduced us to his girlfriend and he's like, either of you want to take her for a ride? And I'm like, oh my God, this is the weirdest thing I've ever been a part of. So then we end up at, uh, like an after hours place to eat. And, uh, I don't know what happened, but I like, I went to the bathroom and I came back and I think they were like outside smoking weed or something, but I thought they left me. Cause I was so drunk. I was just like, Oh, they fucking left me. So I just started walking and I didn't realize how far this food place was from our hotel, but it was like two miles. And I just walked all the way back to the hotel. And then, uh, and then I never heard from the guy again. And what was funny was, I think it was like a year later. Uh, I feel like I gave him my address and he gave me his address because uh, I got a letter from him like a year later where he was telling me all this hardship about his, uh, like his girlfriend left him and 
he got injured and didn't have anything and he he really could use that 50 bucks or whatever and and I was just I had it at the time and I was just like fuck it you know I just want to pay this one debt off so I never have to hear from this guy ever again so I sent him 50 bucks and I was like just call it a day but uh so there's been many a times that I've that I've done triple runs over the years. Um, like one of the most classic, um, one of the classic gigs, and I'm sure I've talked about many a times was Spokane Valley, where they make you stay at the, like the the a sound guy's house, you know, and he lives like in a room in the back of the house, and he you can always hear him listening to porn at night, and it's just ridiculous. And then there was a gig they had um, at this, like, really posh casino in northern Washington where, like, you, you get out of your car and, like, someone escorts you to your room and, like, opens your bags and, like, warms up your bed and turns your TV on and shit. And, like, the shower had, like, 14 shower heads in it. It was crazy. <laughs> I was there with uh, Cocazello, and he said he took, like, nine showers while we were there. And I'm like, I don't doubt it. Um, and then there was a tour I did where it was a lot of triple stuff and I decided that I was going to try to book my own shows. So I was just like random cold calling like bars and restaurants and stuff, trying to get anybody who would want to do a comedy show. And I was trying to fill like Wednesdays and Tuesdays and Sundays. So I was selling them for like rock bottom prices. I'm like, we will come there. We'll do a comedy show. It'll be 90 minutes for like a hundred bucks. What do you say? And a lot of people bid on it because they're like, we never did comedy here. And a hundred bucks, like, even if we get 10 people in here, we're going to make money on this thing. So some, some of them were fun. Some of them were just fucking nightmares. One time we showed up and it was just like, um, the owner of the bar and her friend. And she's like, do the show. And we're like, oh my God. And then there was another one where we got there and they were like, uh, feel free to help yourself to the happy hour buffet. And it was like a crock pot full of Hormel chili and like, um, I don't even know what was in the other crock pot, but Joe was just like, yeah, let's do this shit. And like he, uh, started eating it and it just still makes me sick when I think about it. But the triple stuff, it's like, it's like a rite of passage for a comedian, you know, it's, the gigs are forever apart from each other and they're horrible. Um, one of the last tour, triple runs I did with Joe, like the first night that we were working together, um, this lady was heckling him and he just like unleashed on her, like just screaming and yelling and swearing and calling her names and everything. And it was like, it, it was the first show he had done outside New York in a long time. And I think he had this like New York thing where he was just like, I'm going to fucking tear this lady apart, but we're in Idaho, you know? So I had to pull him aside and I'm like, dude, you can't do that out here. Like you just gotta try to be nice, you know? And, you know, we had a long conversation about it and he was cool. He was like, all right. I'll calm it down. And literally the next night we were doing Billings, Montana, and he's like six or seven jokes in and some lady climbs up on stage with him and steals his microphone. And I could just see him trying to 
you know, hold it in or whatever. And I was in the back of the room and I was just like, let her have it, Joe. And he just like ripped the mic out of her hand and just started screaming at her. But most of my tours, obviously, if you've listened to the uh, older podcast with me and Joe Cocosello, like a ton of the triple runs I did with Joe. And there's a few that I've done with other comics, but Joe is always the best to travel with. He's really low key and respectful of the show. And we ended up riding the stoner and the <clears throat> stoner and the fat man thing to survive on the road at these triple gigs. And people love it, man. It's just silly songs and crowd interaction. And, a, and it always kills out there. But, uh, if you're a new comic and you listen to my podcast and you're wondering, you know, just how do you, you know, make those steps up the ladder you know how do you move up the business how do you get that experience how do you get people to know that you're legitimate one of those first building blocks is doing a triple run man because he's always looking for people because it's forever away their website is uh tribbleruns.com and uh so if you're looking for that foot in the door a triple run is definitely uh what you should be looking into but uh yeah, so the podcast is always available at iTunes and Podbean, and uh, check out my website for updated shows. I just updated my calendar, and uh, yeah, tune in next time when we talk about who knows.